0: Would you bring new wine out of us? Would you stand with us in the pressing and in the intensity? And would you do what only you can do, bring redemption, bring new life, bring new power, bring new hope, not because of who we are, but because of who you are and what you did upon that cross? God, thank you that you hear our cries this morning, the cries that we can speak and the cries too deep for words. You know our hearts. You see us clearly and you delight in us. Holy Spirit, would you keep moving among us now? Quicken our hearts, sharpen our minds, give us ears to hear your voice today. We ask all of this in your name, and all God's people said, amen. 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 Thank you, worship team. They did a beautiful job, and I got to tell you, you are a beautiful looking people. It is so good to be together this morning, Um, and my name is Suzanne Vogel. I'm the lead pastor here of Merritt Drive Reformed Church, and most of the time I get to fly back and forth between two campuses on any given Sunday morning, and so it is just delightful to get to be in one house and worshiping together this morning. Now, if you would, uh, I want you to invite you to turn to Isaiah 43, verses 1 and 2. If you have your Bible with you, if you have it on your phone, feel free to pull it up and look at it. We began this series called Renewing Our Legacy Together, Uh, four weeks ago, and we began with Isaiah 43. I want to return back to that passage this morning at the beginning, and I want you to hear the words of the Lord. But now this is what the sovereign Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear. For I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. Now, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. So, I have a love-hate relationship with water. Now, I don't know, it could be because I was the grandchild of a farmer, and all we did in the summer was talk about water. We watched the news, and we were trying to think through whether there was too much water or not enough water. Any children or grandchildren of farmers in the house, and you know this reality, right? So it could be that. It could also be that it began uh, maybe the summer when I was eight. Now, it was a crazy summer for our family. There was a lot going on. My sister had uh, been in a car wreck, and she was in the hospital in traction for six weeks. So my mom spent a lot of time with her in the hospital. My younger brother was six months old, and so he kept my grandmother very busy. My dad was helping my grandfather farm, which is... A lot of work. And so I spent a lot of afternoons at the pool. Now that was wonderful because I uh, loved the pool, but it was also kind of a lonely reality for me. I spent a lot of days there by myself. And so that particular summer, I decided I was going to go off the high board for the very first time. And if you have a pool that looked like this in your hometown growing up, Except I swear the high board was at least twice that high. I mean, truly. I mean, so I decided this was going to be the summer. And so, you know, every day I'd show up, like today's the day, and I'd make my way up the ladder, and then I'd chicken out and pull back down, right? And then the next day I'd get maybe a little further up, and then I'd come back down, and Eventually, I got to the top of the board, which really freaked me out. So then I was back down. If you have ever been in a pool, you know, and they have that rule, you can't go up the ladder until the person's gone off the board. Yeah, they called that the Suzanne rule at my pool because they were like, yeah, here she goes again. And I can't tell you how many times I walked up that board, up that ladder and into the board. And then eventually, I got myself out, you know, to the edge of the bored and I would look down. Only at that point, man, panic set in because I was like, well what happens if I jump off and I go so far down that I can't get back up? Or what happens if I accidentally lean forward, right? And then I belly flop onto my face or and then I would think okay maybe I need to overcorrect, but then I worry about hitting the back of my head. Does, does this sound familiar to anybody? I mean I was like oh. and so I just would, you know, so then I do the walk of shame back yeah, climb down the ladder, right? Finally, I don't, know, I don't know what possessed me this day, but I decided, you know what? I got to come at this differently. So I got to the top of the diving board, and I decided I'm going for it. And so I just ran and just jumped. And uh, I can't tell you, I can still, like my hands are still clammy from that moment of exhilaration and terror and wild beauty, because I'll never forget hitting the water and looking up and coming back up and realizing I'm still alive, right? <laughs> and I, half the pool <laughs> clapped, like I had, you know, lifeguards up, like, good for you, you go, girl, because they'd been watching my, like, private terror all summer long. And it was amazing, because what had... in one moment been horrifically fearful became one of the great joys of my summer because finally I just went for it. And I think that combination, right, of terror and fear and risk is part of what we live for and it's actually part of what's true about water. I mean, does anybody else... I used to love waking up to the sound of rain. Anybody else now have PTSD in the morning when you hear rain because of the realities of the flood last summer? And here's the thing I found myself this summer thinking a lot about water. Partly because, you know, we had so much of it, but partly because water is a really important symbol in the Bible. And so I began wondering, what does the Bible say about water? Now, I don't know how many of you caught it, but actually all of our vision materials have water all the way through them. Did you notice it? Like this first picture is that picture of coming up out of the water. And then on the inside, we've got that wave and the ripples Because we've had a lot of water. So this morning, I want to share with you a few things that I think are important about water that I think are also important for us right now. The first is that it turns out in the story of God with the people of God, lots of important life-changing things happen around water. It's amazing if you think about it. Water marks moments of transition where something ends and a new thing begins. For example, in the flood, God cleanses the earth and something new begins and he promises he will never actually flood like that again. Or when the Israelites flee slavery, they pass through the water right? And move into a season of freedom and life. And then again, when they leave the wilderness, they move again through the what? The water to move into the promised land. And then if you pull to the New Testament, Jesus begins his public ministry by being baptized in the water. And Jesus calls Peter, one of his he disciples on the water, actually tells him to put out his boat, and he has a miraculous catch and comes back and says, I'm yours, Jesus. And later, after Peter falls tragically um, and denies Jesus, it's by the edge of the lake that Jesus looks at him and says, no, 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 there's no screw up deep enough or wide enough that you can't keep following me. By the water. In fact, in the New Testament, after Jesus uh, went back to heaven, one of the ways that people of faith declared their faith was through baptism in water. Water is really important. Remember, it shows a movement to a new place— A couple weeks ago, I preached about this. Remember, we're invited to forget the former things and not dwell in the past. But see a new thing that God might be doing. Now it—did any of you notice this the first time you read it? What does it do? It springs up. The image is of water. Do you not perceive it? Now— I think in some ways, one of the things I tried to do the first couple of weeks was to define reality, to help us understand that the culture around us demands some changes from us if we're going to be effective at reaching the next generation. And uh, that was hard because we had to look at what isn't working. But this morning, I want to take just a minute and talk about what I think God is doing. And to do that, actually, I want to talk to Sarah Gregory. Now, Sarah, we are so delighted. Sarah grew up in this church. Many of you will recognize her. Um, but since she's been here, she went to Fuller Seminary. She has done college ministry. She's worked with young adults. In fact, at Fuller, uh, one of her professors recognized God's call in her life, which, duh, I mean, anybody who's around Sarah very long recognizes the call of God on her life, and asked her to actually be his TA for a class on ministering to young adults and young adult spirituality. It's one of her emphases, so we are so thrilled that she actually saw fit to come back and to join us in this season. So I wanted to ask Sarah to talk to us a minute this morning about what are the opportunities you see in front of the church at large and in front of Meredith Drive? Because it could look really dim and really dark.
1: younger generations. There's really deep hunger actually for things that look a lot like the shalom and the kingdom of God that scripture talks about. And there may be some um, things that people push back against in Christian culture that they've had bad experiences with but this desire for something transcendent and some deep meaning and justice and reconciliation and wholeness and relationships and fullness of life that is so prevalent in scripture is also the things that you hear coming out when you ask young adults, the things that they care about. And so I think that there is actually a lot of hunger. If we can be willing to, to take some new looks at our language and how we interact with people and what our starting points are in conversations, I think there's actually a lot of spaces that people are really needing what the gospel offers, what Jesus offers in that fullness of life and what our society is needing for peace and for reconciliation and for wholeness and good relationships. Um, just learning how to honor people. I think those are all things, all great starting points that are so central to the gospel, but also are really central to what this younger generation is longing
0: for. So if I hear you correctly, one of the things I hear you saying is that I think one of the fears when we talk about becoming a church the next generation could love is that we'll get unmoored, right? That somehow we're going to walk away from scripture. And uh, what I hear you saying is actually you see the things that The next generation wants deeply grounded in Scripture and in the person of Jesus.
1: And I think um, as I've thought a lot about this, I just keep coming back to this picture of the kingdom of God in Scripture. You know, and Jesus actually, when he talks about like the good news is that the kingdom of God is here, you know, and the good news is that this restoration of relationships and restoration of the way the earth functions and bringing life and fruit and those things are actually um, central. I mean, it's central to the gospel. It's central to scripture, and it really reflects, I think,
0: what young adults are looking for. Yeah. So turn for a minute. Now uh, talk about what made you come back to Meredith Drive Reformed Church. As you think about uniquely our call and what we might be invited to, what hope do you see in this body?
1: what ultimately made me decide to come back and really invest in this congregation. I just see so many people that really deeply love and really deeply have given their time to the young people in this congregation. And so I think that that going forward is our biggest strength. I think um, when I have even thought kind of strategically about some of the next steps um, for our congregation, one of the things I think really deeply about is getting different generations partnering with each other to learn and to grow. And so um, that may look like other former like, mentoring strategies, but it also may just be have meals with people in different generations, um, have meals with people in your workplaces, people that wouldn't come into the church, but who are really hungering for deep relationships and for people to take notice of them and care about them. And so I think that that's one of the biggest strengths that Meredith
0: Yeah. So talk a little bit about the class you're going to be offering. Again, you've offered it once. Um, what could people expect from that time, and what are some of your hopes for it?
1: Yeah. So this has been one of my favorite things that I've gotten to do um, in my job here. And um, I think part of that is because I think that research can be helpful um, for giving a broader perspective of what's going on with this generation. So the first hour of this workshop, Is going to be focused on hearing some of the things that some of the best researchers um, in the country and in the world have learned about this generation. Both um, kind of the stage of life in college and post-college, some of the transitions and things that happen, but then some research specifically about this generation of young people that have grown up in this cultural context. The first hour is going to be a lot of like, here's some just hard facts. Workshop is going to be a space to really talk about what sounds like good news to young adults. Um, and so we're going to do some digging in scripture and some more of what I talked about a couple minutes ago about what actually were the overlap and the desires of this generation and what the gospel talks about. And then the third hour um, is really hoping to give you guys some really practical skills, um, so especially around relating to your kids. Maybe you've gone off to college and come back with some new questions or people that are kind of pushing back against some of the things that you hold really dear. So it's giving some questions, um, some starters for questions to stay engaged in those conversations, to try to care well for people, to try to be a place that um, young people feel like they can bring all of their angst and their questions and um, their actual deep need um, to be well cared for. And so the third hour is really intended to give you space to ask questions, um, give you some tools and then we had, had a really great conversation the last exactly. time Suzanne we was there. And, um, yeah, just seeing what comes up for the people that are in the room, for struggles that they've had with their kids, and really great times that they've had with the adults around them. So
0: that's- yeah, I, it was so rich. Uh, I left both encouraged and convicted, and uh, I think I cried some. Not that you will, necessarily, but, I mean, just it was so good to begin to get... My head and my hands around um, some of the ways that I think I have mischaracterized or uh, uh, even uh, stereotyped in ways that are unfair uh, the next generation. So I'm so grateful for Sarah. Would you uh, both thank her and would you watch for her next workshop? So, water involves. Transitions, oftentimes, in Scripture. But the other thing is that water invites decisions and faith from the people of God. If you think about it, so many of these uh, places I talked about through the story of God involved God's movement, but then God's people had to decide if they were going to respond. Noah had to decide if he was going to be faithful and do what God asked of him, even though it looked crazy to the people around him. The leaders of the Israelites, as they were getting ready to come into the promised land and cross the Jordan that was at flood stage, had to decide whether they would literally put their feet into that rushing water, trusting that God was going to do something miraculous. Peter had to decide if he was going to step out of the boat so that he could, in fact, walk on water and experience a new place with God. The Ethiopian decided out of his conversation with Philip, it's today I'll get baptized. Water doesn't just move. We are invited to move. And I want to encourage you, encourage us, that I think the flood that we experienced last summer is an invitation to us as a church. Will we continue to decide to follow Jesus into new places where he's calling us? Will we follow the next generation? Because in many ways, they're leading us forward. Sarah is walking us forward. Young adults around us, people like Ryan Fick, who are pouring into CFUM. I think about our newest deacon, Kendall Stroh, and some of the wonderful work he's doing with us. I think about all kinds of young men and young women, some of whom don't even know that they're going to be part of our family yet, but whom God is inviting for us to learn with and learn from. Now, we have a lot to do. There is a lot to be done. You got your card, right, in your bulletin. And we, this is our high-level commitment over the next three years, things that we feel like it's going to take for us to keep walking forward into the future. And it's going to take all of us. All of us. I know many of you are already on the front lines, volunteering with FCA, packing meals for Freedom for Youth, doing all kinds of wonderful things, serving in kids ministry and student ministry. And it can be overwhelming to think about what this will take from us. And I heard a wonderful quote just this week, that oftentimes the size of the task paralyzes us. And it's easy to think, well, there's too much. But what if we just simply focused on doing the next right thing together? What if we all simply said, let's look around us. For right now, you can surely identify someone in your orbit who could use a cup of coffee or who you could go to their next event, or who you could begin to invest in and learn from. You could start learning about the next generation at opportunities like Sarah's workshop or books that we offered. It's all possible. Those are little things we can all do next. And then you can start to pray and keep praying for the leadership of our church, because there are lots of things that we have to figure out over the next several years. We have to think through how we'll use that land out there for the sake of the gospel, and what will our campus at Meredith Thrive look like when we renovate? What will we put our hand to, and how will God call us forward? And we need together to pray. And the last thing I want you to understand, and we see in Scripture, is that water is both dangerous and an opportunity to experience God's presence. Oftentimes, in the Bible, it talks about storms, right? Water that washes out foundations. And we learned firsthand how destructive water can be. And some of you know in your own life that the storms have come. And Scripture doesn't minimize that reality. In fact, if you'll notice from our passage we read this morning, he doesn't say, if you pass through the waters. He says, when. When you pass through the waters. When the storm rages. When you go through the rivers. If you are not in a storm today, I promise you one's coming. And water is a way that we get to choose whether we will trust in the God who calms the wind and the waves. I love that this chapter starts, do not fear, because God knows that when the water starts to rise, fear is our first instinct. And his promise, you'll notice, is not that the water won't come. It's that he will be with us in the midst. I don't know what the next three years will hold. I know that it's going to be different than I could ever imagine because God is sneaky that way. I can tell you what I hope for. I can tell you what I see as possibilities. But it'll be messy and it'll be complicated, and it won't look exactly like what we imagine. And our hope will not be in those circumstances. It will be in the God of the universe who says, I am with you in it. Friends, I found myself years later thinking about that summer when I was eight. was reflecting and processing in some ways some grief and some sadness at the ways I felt alone. And there was one day I was sitting in my living room and journaling about that, and I just asked God, where were you that summer? Simple question. And unbidden that day on the high board came to mind. And I sat and... God doesn't do this very often with me, but I had this sense of Jesus in the pool with his arms open saying, jump to me. I couldn't see it that day, but I know he was there. And that what finally gave me the courage to go for it was God's presence with me. And friends, as we walk forward, as we start to think about what it's going to take to put a building back together and to do mission in places where we've never been and to love people who we haven't loved well before, I think it will be easy to get immobilized, to stand at the edge and look down and say, but what if we go off the deep end? And what if it's too much and we can't come back up? And what if... We fall on our face and we belly flop, which, by the way, is not good off a high dive. And yet, I believe with every ounce of my being that the God of the universe is in front of us saying, Come here. Come here, church. I said it to you in the Old Testament. It's too small a thing for you to be a people contained to yourself. I'm calling you to reach the nations. And then Jesus said it again when he said, Go therefore into all the world, every generation, and make disciples. And then Paul said it again when he said, Listen, I will become a Greek to the Greek and a Jew to the Jews so that one might be saved. Friends, will we become a church the next generation can love. I'm in. I hope you're in. Let's pray. God, we thank you that in the water, in the pressing, when the waves roar and the oceans foam, you are our rock. You are our safe place. You are the one who says, I will be with you. And God, I thank you that you have promised us as your church, as the bride of Christ. I am taking you forward. And I pray this day that you would create within us a willingness to go wherever you call us to go, to take the next step of faith for we love you. God, this is your church. And we want to follow you wherever you call us to do. Go. Build your kingdom. And would you let us be a small part of it? In Jesus' name.